Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was lying still in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May this be to us the seeds of a new reality. Hello and welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes and I'm glad you're listening. Thank you as always to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the music. I was going to pick out a upbeat, jolly, vibrant, defiant of death kind of uh, theme song for Easter now that it's Easter season, but God, you know, everything I chose just seemed too perky at least for this reading, so we're going to go with this kind of shaman-like magic beyond our control uh, uh, music for Easter. So that's what we've got ahead for the next few weeks, I think. So, yeah, let's jump into this story. So, on a steep grade uh, of the southwest face of an extinct volcano a few blocks from me, I recently noticed uh, a spindly, modestly-leafed shrub craning diagonally toward the sky. She towered above every plant for, like, dozens of yards in any direction, save, of course, the many towers of Douglas fir that, you know, kind of typically get get the attention there. This, this little plant is not, like, memorably stocky, and as I said, the leaves don't culminate in a lush canopy. But it's the only one of its kind 
for as far as I could see from there, and so it stands out in my gaze, yearning skyward above all the ferns, mosses, and trillium. Uh, when I first noticed this unremarkable plant uh, last Sunday, it its outstretched branches were girded with the start of little pink buds, flowers not quite ready to be flowers yet. It was, she was, brimming with a commitment to bloom. Now, flowers are all about the plant's reproduction, right? It's a plant's way of capturing pollen from a male plant by wind or by bug. Um, this plant is ready to be more than one. It's ready to belong. But where is another of this one's plant, of her kind? How can the newness she is radiantly intent on come to pass? I join... I joined uh, this plant's longing for another and in, uh, in that moment directed my curiosity uh, radially around the slope to find her match, to find her kin. <laughs> she was alone. I couldn't find it. There wasn't one to be found for 100 feet in any direction as far as I could find that day. So my eyes returned to this little plant confidently breaking out of the soil beyond the little plants with far more peers, contesting the sun-snagging shade of the firs to get its own share of golden life, unfolding toward newness all the same. Why do this, little plant? And when I returned to that southwest slope on Wednesday, she was in full bloom, silvery pink flowers dancing gently, one of a kind, yet sure in its own way of changing that, trusting in its own way that the sacred web of life from which it emerged might find and include her. In this week's reading, I felt a connection with Mary Magdalene. The empty tune breaks the script for her. It it feels like one cruel joke nested inside another. First, that the one who came to bring life to its fullness is now dead. And now, someone would steal that man's corpse. This plant was brimming with life, yet seemingly cut off from any kind of tomorrow. The life it would bring seems stillborn. Yet on the third day of that week... I found it to be brimming, all the more, with life beyond measure, conspicuous yet unassuming, defiant of my expectations, unhindered by the shadows of its imperial giants. There were many elements to this week's story uh, that, you know, I really wanted to explore. Just, yeah, so many. <laughs> it's a great story. Uh, but that budding plant on the volcano down the street from me began to show itself to me uh, as, yeah, a kind of empty tomb, a tragic loneliness, infertility. It became to me the body of Christ, cut off from the radiance one would hope for it. And then it became to me the risen body of Christ, defiant, confusing, beautiful, perplexing, 
nearby. One of a kind, yet gloriously grounded in a kind of life that will surely multiply, even when a way forward toward that is beyond my sight or reason. And what did Mary do when her searching yielded surprise and her lament fanned out into a recognition of the risen one? Both times she went and told others. And so here I am finding myself swept up in that story, playing out under the Douglas firs on the volcano up the street from me. I have seen the Risen One. A pink-flowered plant on a volcano in Portland revealed the Risen One to me because resurrection is an emergent principle of reality, pure gift. It's how the whole thing works because life is an emergent principle of this reality. Because at the deepest level, Life hums. Death doesn't have the last word. Life, always life does. Now, one of the big implications of this is that your own Easter is caught up in being that plant, participating with the risen one in the renewal of all things. But that comes later. It begins with following Mary being Mary. If you find the absence of the Holy One, talk about it. If the Holy One surprises you as the Risen One, talk about it. Be Mary. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you.